This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Amid increased concern over China pushing the idea of reunification with Taiwan, American and Canadian delegations have made visits to the country and have talked of support of officials in Taipei. But how close are we to a possible Chinese invasion of the island, and what happens in that event? I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post reporter Tom Blackwell, who recently traveled to Taiwan, joins me to discuss the threat that China poses, why Western countries have an interest in Taiwan, and whether Canada and the U.S. are prepared to provide military support. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Tom, you recently spent some time in Taiwan. And and before we get to some of the questions about, you know, what things are like on the ground there, there's been a lot of focus on Taiwan in recent months. And, you know, we had an American delegation and we just had a Canadian delegation making trips overseas to visit Taiwan. What has made Taiwan a priority for Canadian and U.S. politicians? Well, I think there's a couple of things. And, and the, the, the I think the primary one is the fact that China itself, uh, Beijing, um, uh, Xi Jinping, have themselves made uh, what they call the reunification of Taiwan and China a priority. Um, she is, has repeatedly raised this as an important goal of, of his. Um, and, you know, though he talks about peaceful reunification, uh, he's not ruled out the uh, the use of force and and. Again, made that very clear again in a, in a speech just a couple of days ago at the the 20th National Congress of the Chinese Communist Party, and and that kind of uh, rhetoric has been sort of uh, met with you know military maneuvers around Taiwan, uh, sort of flying into what Taiwan calls its air defense zone, flying military planes that is you know uh, sailing ships. Chinese naval ships close to Taiwan, that kind of thing. And then, of course, uh, it, it all sort of came to a head with uh, Nancy Pelosi's visit to uh, to Taiwan in, in August. So, I mean, I think it's China's uh, own sort of approach to Taiwan that's, you know, made it more of a priority for, uh, for Western politicians. At the same time, I think in the background also, there's the fact that, that Taiwan is now, you know, the world's sort of major supplier of semiconductors of, of computer chips that are, you know, so important uh, in our lives in in so many industries these days. And uh, an attack by China obviously would uh, would seriously impede the the supply chain that's already been, uh, you know, slowed down in, in, in recent months. Now, you know, we look at these trips by American and Canadian delegations to Taiwan and, and talking about, you know, fostering economic ties with Taiwan. It, that kind of gone over well with officials in Beijing. What's the what's the been the line from Chinese officials, Chinese politicians? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, this all dates back to you know the, the decision by Western nations and by the UN to recognize the People's Republic of China as as the 
Chinese government um, uh, as the, the holders of the of the UN uh, China seat, and, and you know which left sort of Taiwan uh, kind of adrift uh, without sort of official recognition as a nation. Um, so yeah, because of that, China has has always sort of objected to. Uh, government officials from other countries visiting Taiwan, uh, you know, on an official basis, and that those kind of objections have really been ratcheted up in in recent years under Xi Jinping's rule. Um, and yeah, so it came to, uh, as I said, came to a head when Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, visited in August, and the Chinese were, you know, pretty much livid at at, at that official visit. Um, and responded with sort of the most uh, sort of blatant military sort of saber rattling that we've seen in, in recent years, um, basically surrounding the island of Taiwan with with Chinese naval ships, you know, firing missiles uh, overhead, uh, that that kind of thing, uh, making their their anger, I, I guess, uh, very very sort of clear cut and 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 sort of dropping some hints i guess that uh, an invasion is uh, is certainly uh, not not impossible i guess so that would be the most dramatic reaction they've had to these kind of uh, visits um they've also you know raised objections to the delegation of Canadian MP- MPs that, that recently uh, visited taiwan as well so yeah they 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 don't like these uh, these kind of trips mm-hmm. Now, all of this discussion is happening amid another conflict involving a large power invading a separate nation. The larger power believes some kind of right to or some kind of control over. How is the China-Taiwan situation comparable to the Russia-Ukraine situation and, and how is it different? Yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, yeah, as you suggested, it's it's similar in some ways and, and different in other ways. But it's interesting, you know, when I was in Taiwan, I often heard people in, in, invoke that that conflict and talk about how they uh, felt inspired by Ukraine's uh, resistance to the uh, to the invasion by by Russia. Um, I, I guess it's similar in the sense that you know Russia has one of Vladimir Putin's uh, justifications for this um, you know unprovoked attack it has been sort of his claim that that historically Ukraine and Russia were were a single country. And uh, should be sort of reunited <laughs> to use the uh, the Chinese uh, terminology. So it's similar in that sense. Uh, it's also, you know, obviously a much uh, much larger country with more powerful military, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Again, similar to the, the China um, Taiwan uh, dynamics. I guess where the, the one key difference, at least, is the fact that Ukraine is, uh, you know, and in the eyes of, of the rest of the world, is an independent country. It has a seat in the United Nations. Um, there, there's, you know, uh, apart from <laughs> in the Kremlin, there, there's not much uh, debate about that. Again, the difference with Taiwan is that it is not recognized as an independent nation by the world, um, does not have a seat at the United Nations. So so that, that would be sort of probably the, the key difference. I guess in terms of military strategy, Another difference is that Russia and Ukraine share a land border, which makes uh, invading a little easier. Uh, China, mainland China and Taiwan are separated by, uh, you know, 180 kilometers of sea, which uh, obviously militarily uh, creates a, a complication. 
We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As mentioned, you were in Taiwan recently. It's part of a trip that was supported by the Taiwan Foreign Ministry. What is the thinking in Taiwan right now among officials? Are there concerns we could see an invasion? How likely do they see it? And, you know, what preparations are being made for that possibility? Yeah, well, I, th I think, I mean, uh, in terms of both government officials and and sort of government-funded think tanks that, that myself and other uh, international journalists met with, uh, I think the feeling is that this is, you know, we are in, in the midst of a, of a crisis, you know, from Taiwan's point of view. They feel that, uh, you know, invasion could be imminent, that it's certainly uh, it's a much more dangerous situation than it has been in, in decades one military think tank official or, or researchers, you know, told us that the the chances of a of a Chinese invasion had gone up drastically in, in recent months, and um, you know, certainly government officials, the foreign minister, uh, spoke to us, um, you know, are very much concerned about the possibility of an attack by China. Um, and, and in response, uh, certainly the Taiwanese have uh, um, have been trying to upgrade and, and modernize their uh, armed forces on, on a sort of more uh, micro level. Uh, there's even, you know, civil defense groups that have that have sprung up, you know, sort of training ordinary people to, uh, you know, resist if, if, you know, Chinese troops did end up, end up on, on Taiwanese uh, territory, uh, you know, much as we've seen happen in Ukraine. So, in some ways, uh, certainly on the, at the official level, you know, this is this is very uh, front of mind. I mean, at, at the same time, um, life in Taiwan is, is going on much as much as as usual. It's a, it's a bustling, thriving place, and and uh, you know, people did do what 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 people do, and 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 uh, you know, in that sense, it's not like everyone's sort of hunkered down in, in bunkers or anything. It's sort of what life goes on more more or less as normal. I mean, we don't want to think about the horror that, that could be unleashed on, on Taiwan in the event of an invasion, but do we have a sense of what that would look like if China decided to take military action? Are we talking about attacks from the air? Are we talking about, you know, naval uh, brigades showing up on their shores? What would that conflict look like? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, I, I think the assumption is that at some point it would, it would have to involve an actual invasion of Taiwanese territory by by ground troops, so you know amphibious uh, assaults, I guess. The uh, the military research institute, the government think tank that we spoke to, um, feels that China is not ready uh, for that kind of uh, invasion yet. Although that you know if if Taiwan sort of did officially declare independence, that that despite that, they, China would probably invade. But that you know they they could be ready in a few years, and and, and that uh, any invasion would probably be preceded by 
air attacks, you know, missiles and, and, and aerial bombing that would sort of soften up Taiwan's defenses before, you know, ground troops uh, uh, arrived. One sort of um, speculation is, is that an invasion would happen in 2027, which is, would be the 100th anniversary, anniversary of the People's Liberation Army, the, the, uh, the Chinese, the People's Republic um, Armed Forces. And Xi Jinping has, has often sort of exhorted the military to be sort of modernized by, by that date. So, you know, the, the one theory is that that's what they're when they're looking at invading if, if they do, if they do invade. So in that event, would would Taiwan have the support of, of allies like the U.S. And, and Canada, either in the form of, of weapons like we've been sending to Ukraine or in terms of military personnel? Like what kind of commitment is the West ready to make in terms of involvement in in that kind of conflict, yeah, I mean, I I don't believe that Canada has made any commitment one way or, or the other to what it would do in the event of a Chinese invasion. Uh, Joe Biden has repeatedly, recently though, said that America would come to Taiwan's uh, defense in, in in that event. Uh, so, I mean, that seems pretty clear at, at this point. It's in- interestingly, the Taiwanese themselves um, say they are basically not assuming that anyone will come to their defense, that all of their military preparation for a possible invasion is based on on Taiwan having to defend itself. So as much as, you know, obviously they would like to see support from other countries uh, in that event, they are, th- their planning is based on on them having to defend themselves against uh, against China without any outside help. In the interim, though, you know, what kind of support is Taiwan and what kind of support are Taiwanese officials looking for from countries like Canada and, and other Western allies? Well, in, in, in terms of sort of military, um, I mean, they're, they, you know, are, are pressing uh, certainly the United States to, to sell them arms. But uh, in terms of other kind of military support, um, you know, a couple of people, including the the, the Taiwanese Minister of uh, Foreign Affairs, told us that they would like to see Canada repeat the uh, the, the naval you know sailing of, of uh, ships through the the Taiwan Strait, the the body of water that separates the islands of Taiwan from from mainland China. But Canada did that, uh, or one a Canadian naval ship did that uh, a couple of months ago um, alongside uh, uh, an American sh- a naval ship. So they, they they would like to see Canada do that kind of thing more often. They they call those uh, those maneuvers freedom of, of navigation uh, exercises, I guess, where to sort of emphasize that that, that body of water does not belong to, to mainland China as as it, as it sort of suggested. It's a it's an international body of water. Beyond that, uh, you know, Taiwan is very much interested in having a greater part in international uh, organizations, multilateral organizations. And it used to be, despite the fact that China had the the seat in the United Nations, it used to be that they did allow, uh, in some cases, for Taiwan to sort of have observer status at the World Health Organization or the uh, the International Civil Aviation Organization, which is based in Montreal. Uh, the last few years, though, China has has not allowed that um so they've been frozen out of those uh, those international bodies um and you know i talked to people with the, the taiwanese civil aviation uh organization who say you know it's 
it's really difficult to be part of the international aviation world when you don't have when you don't even have observer status at the at the organization that uh, that, that sort of oversees that. Um, and of course, we you know we saw what happened during the uh, COVID pandemic when Taiwan was actually one of the leaders in terms of responding to that, and yet again did not have an official voice with the world uh, with the World Health uh, Organization, which considers it you know part of China. So they would like you know to have a greater part in those organizations and, and for countries like Canada to sort of lobby on their on their behalf. Now, looking at the China situation, you know, it is a large country, a large economy. And, you know, unlike Russia, Canada has some kind of complex economic ties. You know, we want to export natural resources to China, specifically things like oil and natural gas. What are the concerns about a strong show of support for Taiwan and, and what that could do to those relationships? Yeah, I mean that that is definitely a major factor that has to be considered in in any aspect of Canada's relations with uh China. Uh, China is our second biggest uh, trading partner and that can't be ignored. And certainly, you know, Australia has taken I I would say a tougher stance towards China in challenging it on on some of the uh human rights abuses and it, it's its approach to Taiwan and, and to to Hong Kong, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it is has been punished by by China, uh, which has restricted uh, you know imports of, of some Australian goods. So I mean there is always that risk, and that is something that has to be considered. You know there are those who would say you know we can do both. We can we can have a trading relationship with with China, um, and at the same time uh, stand up for our values. Uh, you know and and for countries like. Like Taiwan, that that is a democracy and and that shares a lot of the same same values as Canada. So that that would be sort of the uh, the debate, I guess. Now, while you were in Taiwan, you also had a chance to meet with some Canadians who are currently living there. What are their feelings about the situation, the potential of increasing tensions between China and Taiwan, and any concerns for their safety or or what it could mean for? I assume they're they're there for for business reasons for their you know for their own economic interests. Yeah, yeah. I actually uh, I, I I dropped in on the, the Canada Taiwan Chamber of Commerce, which is really sort of more almost like a a community association. Uh, had a uh, an early Canadian Thanksgiving dinner at a hotel in Taipei, so I dropped in on that. And it's interesting. I mean, you know, some of the people I mean have been there. You know. Born and bred in Canada, but more or less have, have transplanted themselves to Taiwan, and and you know I talked to a couple of people, uh, a few people that have lived there like you know twenty years or more, and uh, in a couple of cases married you know Taiwanese uh, people, um, so are very much uh, settled in in the country, see this as their home now, um, even though they're still Canadian citizens, and it's interesting. I mean there there were some somewhat divergent opinions, but I mean the general sense was. That they're really not that concerned <laughs> that they've, you know, they've seen this kind of, in, in to varying degrees, this kind of saber rattling from China uh, over the years, and don't feel that China really is going to uh, invade, uh, is going to pursue its aims sort of militarily, and that maybe the saber rattling is as much um, geared towards a. a domestic Chinese uh, audience as it is towards Taiwan or or, or as it, as it sort of uh, represents uh, you know 
China's actual uh, intentions over the next few years. So, I mean, you know, it's possible there's some naivety there. It's possible, you know, it's it's wishful thinking, but they, um, you know, they don't uh, seem too worried. At one of the Canadians I spoke to, a guy from Montreal, he he um, is a HR director for a, a, a sort of private educational organization, and he said, well, the main problem he sees with this um, situation is that it's made it harder for him to recruit foreigners to Taiwan, <laughs> that these people in other countries, they're kind of frightened about the idea of, of moving to Taiwan. And, and he sort of wants uh, to get the word out that, you know, don't be afraid. You know, life goes on as normal in Taiwan. We're not, you know, we're not in a war zone. Um, so, so that was kind of the attitude. Some people, some of the Canadians were a little more uh, nervous, I guess. Um, I, you know, I spoke to one woman who was uh, sort of in the other kind of group of, of Canadians in Taiwan. She she was born and grew up in in Taiwan, emigrated to Canada as a young adult uh, in the mid '90s because of another crisis with China, and then came back in the early 2000s when things looked uh, looked more stable. And, and she said, you know, she's worried. She's talked to a real estate agent about the possibility of you know selling. Uh, her place uh, in in Taipei should things get really bad with, with China, um, but you know even even she was sort of you know not panicking and and was hoping to, to be able to to stay in in Taiwan. So yeah, interesting viewpoints. You know that they're, they're basically not that worried. Well, I know it's a it's a story that a lot of Canadians are paying attention to, despite what's what's going on in Europe and elsewhere, and and important to get an update on that. Tom, thanks for your reporting and thanks for your time. Okay, thank you very much. 10.3 is produced by Tyler Dawson. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Tom Blackwell. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.